Coffee time Wednesday. Welcome back to the Coffee Time Wednesday podcast. The best 15 minutes of your week. Maybe the worst 15 of ours. Guys, I didn't even have lunch and I'm having a food coma right now. I am tired. Are you guys? Nick has COVID. So you're hungry is what you're saying. Oh, is that how that works? I think so. Oh, okay. Scientific. Have a candy. Peyton, tell us right now. What would you eat for lunch? I stopped at Zippin, had some cheese curds, and I had a metric crap ton of chocolate that's just sitting in the office from your guys' Easter's. Look, man, my mom is very adamant about the kind of candy she buys. Bro, her. she can. I could not remember the name of Zippin for the last, like, well, since this morning till all of yesterday. Where Kent eats all his meals, he goes to Zippin. No, no, that would be Nick. <laughs> I um, do eat a lot of meals at Zippin. <laughs> but I could not remember the name of it for my life, and it was bugging me so much. I think I woke Caitlin up this morning. I'm like, Caitlin, what is the name of that gas station that Nick and I go to lunch all the time? And she remembers, and I couldn't remember. Is that, that early-onset dementia or something? That, I think, is just low IQ. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at your advanced age, it's not like I don't. I don't think it's early. It's not early. I would use early onset. Normal, normal, past early onset at this point. Par for the course, uh, onset. (laughs) Okay, all right, Peyton. What do you got? You got something juicy today, literally. I think um, Kent actually shot me this article because he heard about. When I I heard I heard the conversation first. Okay, from on our. Buddy, uh, Ryan Callahan's podcast, Cal's Week in Review, he talked about the uh, uh, article or topic that Peyton's going to talk about. Not much of a topic, apparently. Some dude named Ryan Callahan mentioned that there's a woolly mammoth meatball in existence. They used some mammoth DNA, and they made a meatball out of him. Have you guys ever seen the show Which- Better Off Ted? So Better Off Ted, it's basically about this giant corporation, and he's he's a really good guy, and he's a mid-level manager, and he helps uh, manage the R&D department, and they make uh, homegrown beef, and then they have, like, their product t- taster, and he lives, like, in a basement, and, like, it's a c- comedy. He lives, like, in a celled-in wall, and they, like, almost never let him out, and they're like, Brian, how does this homegrown beef taste? Um, does it taste like beef? No. Chicken? We'll take chicken. Despair? <laughs> it's almost like I can feel it crying out for help. <laughs> so, yeah, tell us about this. I mean, first of all, it relates to two topics that we've talked about before, which is bringing back mammoths and uh, lab-grown meat. Yeah. Um, that's basically Available it. for sale. The, the sad thing is, it's not. And I, that makes me sad because that is a wasted business opportunity because you're telling me (laughs) if you saw like if you went to a big city or whatever and they had a restaurant where it's like you can try t-rex meat woolly mammoth meat and it's like absurd like hundreds of dollars a pound for this stuff you're telling me you wouldn't be like maybe (laughs) like all right well and uh just to like give a little nod to our good friend james holes up at iowa cover crop who is 100% 100% against lab-grown meat for good reasons. And uh, I I, uh, I agree with him. But 
this would be one circumstance where I would definitely try the lab-grown meat. If they had mammoth meatballs. Okay, what if So, in we, other words, you're not replacing beef. Why Why are we against lab-grown meat? Uh, because. Because uh, he's a cattle farmer. Right, he's a cattle Oh, man. so he has personal interests. Well, yeah, but also, like, nutritionally, I think there there are uh, real concerns about how that protein is created. For now. And right. how? Yeah, we only have to get through. No, like even 7, like even you know. So the argument, the argument could be made like a fast food burger compared to like if you went to the butcher shop, got some uh, ground beef from the butcher, and uh, uh, you know, knowing having like a documented idea as to what the background is of that cow, there's probably more nutrition per ounce of the butcher shop burger compared to fast food burger yes but so you can break it down scientifically like you can break it down that's what i'm saying molecules so so you would actually be able to tell yeah i know whether i know and i'm and i'm going to i i i'm almost certain that it can't be replicated to that that um exactness but when you get, I think you get close when you get to a point where the the energy cost of one versus the other outweighs it by so much because there's other environmental factors yeah. that affect how genes are expressed and so yes you can have in this case mammoth dna and create meat out of it but there's all kinds of environmental factors that a living animal that is growing this tissue is experiencing that affect how that animal is Science could do a lot. I don't know if you've seen Jurassic Park, but but we we haven't cured a lot of diseases. We haven't. Oh yeah, we haven't, we haven't perfected. We far. From, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna go. We there. far from have have <laughs> corrected all of the world's ailments with our great science. That is true. true. And mammoth beef also now. <laughs> mammoth Top beef. That sounds like something. a great band name, dude. Mammoth beef. <laughs> <laughs> That also seems like a petty fight, you know, like <laughs> yeah. I got some real mammoth beef with that guy. I don't know. Or maybe like that's the biggest kind of beef. There that is, is the, the best. Yeah, that is the There's best. Petty about mammoth that is beef. the best term I've heard in a while. Mammoth beef. Real mammoth beef. Sounds like a tax fraud issue. <laughs> I once had a student who referred to another one of my students as beef monkey. <laughs> I have no idea Do why. Do not let that kid know that we are laughing at that because that is terrible. <laughs> oh, he knew it. He knew that's what he was called. Both of those students were some, two of the funniest students I've ever had. Okay. I'm going next. Peyton, congratulations on taking more than 30 seconds. I'm proud of you, man. All right, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> he's, gro- he's growing, guys. 30 seconds of the conversation, baby. Everybody, it is time that we talk about some oil <clears throat> drilling. Let's talk about some oil drilling. We got Biden, our president, whether you like him or not, he said that he would be steering our nation away from oil and he shut down that one pipeline, you know, but, uh, but now we've got, we've got some drilling in Alaska, um, which it's really easy to look at Biden point fingers, but, uh, a little more complicated of a situation right now. I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to do a podcast in depth on this situation. Uh, shoot me an email. If you want me to, if you want me to do that, I will spend the time. If I get a bunch of people saying Nicholas at hoxie.com. Nope. (laughs) Yeah, it is Nicholas. (laughs) Yeah, 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 it's close. You're close. Um, but so basically people started oil, uh, drilling in Alaska and a lot of people in Alaska are for it because one, there's not a lot of people that live there 
And two, the amount of money per capita, it was like $10 billion for local and state uh, government dollars. Would uh, So it would do a lot of good there. The the oil giant ConocoPhillips. Conoco. Uh, Conoco. Thank yeah. you. ConocoPhillips. They are the ones that have been leasing the ground for almost 25 years, doing nothing with it, just hoping. At least that's my understanding. Just trying to get it so they can drill. They were shooting to have five pads, which would have been 250 wells, and they ended up sell it, settling for three pads of oil, which is... I thought it was two. Is it two? I think it's three. Three? Okay. I think it's three, uh, according to PBS.org. This is getting pipelined then? or uh, The administration approved three drilling pads, uh, and it comes to 219 wells. Um, I have no idea what they're doing with it. Also, there's no way this isn't connected to that treaty that Russia and those Middle Eastern countries and a couple of the South American countries made. Being completely uneducated about it, I would assume it it's directly a cause of that. Yeah, because we are... Uh, now, here's an interesting thought. Let's say the rest of the world starts running out of oil and the United States has never drilled any oil. Uh, and then all of a sudden, we have all this oil. Back on top, baby! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but So we've been talking about it financially here for a couple of minutes. Uh, ecologically... Uh, poor decision uh we don't make all of our decisions uh based on how it affects the environment uh not saying that's good or bad but uh uh it definitely isn't helping people are some people were saying like were saying that science actually says that this brings our doom and gloom date up by like 20 percent, like closer Mm. um they say that it the recent un report that they had that kent talked about and a previous a few podcasts ago that um, it would basically uh, it would basically negate even the possibility of meeting our goals uh, with that. Oh wow! And so I don't know. It's it's pretty interesting. Obviously, it the, is the, a the solu- complicated situation. The, the solution is found in the critically acclaimed uh, episode. What is that? Like thirty-seven, the Bell Bowl Prairie episode oh. by Nicholas. <laughs> yeah, you will find your answer to this problem there. Yeah, everyone wants to complain about drilling or not drilling oil, but no one wants to change their lifestyle exactly. to support one way or the other. But uh, yeah, drilling oil. Let us know if you want to hear more about it. We, uh, I, I'm interested, but I'm not going to spend three hours of work time looking into it. <laughs> People don't also <laughs> want to know about it. That's fair enough. But. I would be interested in to know if this involves a, because it would make sense to me that if you're going to have that much, a pipeline would be the best way to do something that damaging to cause the least damage. It's going to, yeah. like the least energy in terms of like shipping and everything. Yeah. Well, but uh, they already, Alaska does have a oil pipeline that's been in place for, since the 80s, I think, or 70s or 80s. And to Nick's point, a lot of people got really wealthy off of the installation of that. And it created a road system that crossed, I think it's. I think the pipeline runs 800 miles, something like that. Hmm. So my guess is they would utilize that infrastructure. Interesting. Okay. To, to, I mean, there's obviously going to be like trucking to get to the pipeline to, to move the oil around. But... Um, yeah, I imagine they'd probably try and use that infrastructure, but that's just a guess. I, 
we are all obviously very educated on this topic. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should get educated on on the history of oil in the past forty years. Nah, in the United States, we'll we'll make Peyton do the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Ken. That would be a very brief podcast. <laughs> That'd be shorter than a Coffee Time Wednesday segment. But uh, no, um, th- a big shout out to our our uh, big friend, our good friend. I don't know why I'd say big friend, but uh, Luke Fritch. Oh, big who, guy. Big guy. <laughs> might weigh 170 pounds. Um, no, Luke uh, sent me a great article this week uh, on an issue that was perfect. I've actually been really looking forward to talk about this on uh, for a Coffee Time episode. Um, the USDA, turns out, I didn't hear about this, but it was in an article that was uh, written by the uh, Illinois uh teaching uh or like education board i guess is the best way to describe it so the the board that oversees public education in the state of illinois it's known as isbe or people call it isbe um, illinois state board of education is what it stands for they wrote an article about how illinois has gotten clearance to spend up to 7.3 million dollars on the 2023-2024 school year uh, for sourcing uh, locally grown and, uh, you know, somewhat processed foods. So uh, uh, the key there not being the processed part, though, the, like, sourced part is the big thing. And so that what the idea is you're encouraging uh, schools to support Farmers who um, are growing, um, I guess you could say alternative crops, maybe some soft commodities, things like that to support a more local food chain. And so this money was made available by the USDA and is uh, about $200 million total, I think, is what they have. And Illinois gets $7.3 million of that that they asked for. And uh, the, the money just basically sits there in this grant fund and every school in the state can you know write to i assume usda or not to usda to their state say hey i think this would be good for us because x y and z then they will have that money they'll they'll basically have clearance to spend so much of that money for their their district on locally sourced food and uh so first of all i think it's a fantastic like move to start pushing money into that avenue of opening up more small farms that are supporting a local you know economy and food chain and let's say a school would normally spend one dollar on a potato but now they're spending two dollars on a potato the two dollars aren't their own dollars so they actually get to save well, money it's still the government's money yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right, yeah. It's like the school gets yeah, access to right. dollars yeah. you're basically just getting tax money it's almost like you're getting an ag subsidy for farmers that aren't just growing corn and beans you could be growing tomatoes potatoes like nick said maybe i I assume it's even for like protein too so uh you know chickens cows whatever lab grown meat in a local lab (laughs) there are definitely uh, woolly mammoth there are definitely some parameters um i think i'm sure everything's got to be checked through fda you know it's got to be proven to be safe to go to a school so obviously there's gonna you're gonna have to have paperwork on that side but also um 
If it's within the same state, I think then it automatically counts as being locally sourced. But if it's like, let's say, let's go to Illinois, for example, and they didn't have anybody close enough to, uh, or like anybody in the state that they could could get stuff from, they could go over to Iowa or Missouri or Indiana or Wisconsin uh, to get something but it can't be more than 400 miles away from that location i believe is the is the cap on that so you're ultimately looking at a push to get things from your own state and if not from your own state as local as 400 miles which is a you know honestly a pretty long leash but it keeps everything you know basically within your region so if you're a midwestern school you're gonna be getting food from the midwest and I don't know. I'm a huge fan of it. Obviously, there's uh, some hurdles there. Like, there's not a lot of people that are probably set up to uh, do this. You know, they might be already having like a fruit and vegetable stand every summer, but maybe they haven't been FDA approved and inspected and everything else. And so they got to get do all the paperwork and then probably change some infrastructure things on their farm. Yeah. Which could cost tens right. of thousands of dollars. Right. But if you're listening to this and you maybe already do have some of the infrastructure in place, you just got to go and get that stuff taken care of. This could be a chance for you to really get a huge uh, financial boost to your operation and hopefully help you grow so that you can provide more and more. One other interesting thing there is if um, the, the amount that the school is going to spend is less than $10,000. They can just buy from whoever they want. If it is more than $10,000, so you're talking a pretty large food order there. It's got to be open to bids. So you got to, you know, you got to open up bidding on supplying the school with the food, which is everything else that a school, if they're going to do construction, if they're going to, you know, redo their parking lot or whatever, like there's got to be an open bidding process, uh, that's done there does that require that you go with the lowest one though that's a good question i, th- I have that answer here let me look I, uh, oh, actually the schools will be required to follow all the federal procurement requirements she she said if the total purchase is under i'm direct quoting here so i'll name the article if the total purchase is under ten thousand dollars that's considered a micro purchase the school then has the ability to select who they purchase from if it's over ten thousand dollars then it goes into a different procurement method and they have to get three bids and go with the lowest bid. So, so uh, you know, that's always interesting, too, because you are spending tax dollar money. you got to be fiscally responsible there. But you also don't want to sacrifice quality either, obviously. And so I, I imagine there's some stuff built so into that. So is it $10,000 per item? Like, could you get... Like $10,000 of potatoes or versus something? Versus tomatoes I, versus... I bet so. I think it's... No, I think it's just $10,000. Well, well, but, I mean, if they just said... This school, we're not going to do it for everything, but we want all of our potatoes to be locally sourced. They could do it that way, I think. But, yeah, like what Peyton's saying, if you said, yeah, we're just going to spend $11,000, everything you buy counts. But I think it's a great thing. It's a good step. Some tax money being pushed in the favor of a local food chain supporting well, small yeah. farmers. It that doesn't are, require that it's it, – it's, it's, like, good in theory to me, but that doesn't stop, like, a big – I don't want to say oh, yeah. it but can, you can, it can still absolutely you know, be lowest yes. bid still wins. Like Well, and absolutely a huge operation could say, you know what? This is a real money maker money here. Opportunity. We're gonna t- turn our ten thousand acres of corn and soybeans into ten thousand acres of but even still, like a place like here where we're surrounded by monoculture, if you had a big operation like that just growing something different, that's I think that's 
a positive in some way, shape, or form. You know, nature, one rule about nature is it loves diversity. So if we can add diversity to the landscape in some way, it's a win, even if it's not as big as we'd hoped it would be. Man. Well, that was fun. Do that, we, was, that was a good time. Do we do we have time for a quick, quick seaweed update? Okay. Absolutely, we have time for a seaweed update. Hit us with a seaweed. It's getting closer. <laughs>